Welcome. You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. Just want to wish all you dads out there a happy Father's Day. I um, want to start us off with a couple of very probably cringy, cringeworthy dad jokes, but there's just nothing like Father's Day. And I don't know how it happens, but when you become a father, the idea of the dad joke just is something that happens. You you don't plan it. Uh, it's probably ruined a career or two of some comedians uh, once they become fathers going into dad jokes. But I do ask that you save uh, your boos and hisses uh, till the end. You don't need to comment on them in the comment bar. So I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. It's impossible to put down. Did you hear about the guy that invented the knock-knock joke? He won the Nobel Prize. What kind of music do chiropractors like? Hip-hop. I was going to tell you a time-traveling joke, but you didn't like it. Do you know who was the fattest knight at King Arthur's Round Table? Circumference. Dad, make me a sandwich. Poof, you're a sandwich. Did you know that five-fourths of people admit that they are bad with fractions? Why does Snoop Dogg always carry an umbrella? Faux drizzle. I told my wife that she drew her eyebrows too high. She seemed surprised. What do you call a donkey with three legs? A wonky. And lastly, the classic. Dad, I'm hungry. Hi, hungry. I'm dad. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoyed those. Something uh, being, being dad. So all you dads out there probably are laughing hysterically. Your kids are probably cringing. And there's probably somebody got poked with an elbow. Years ago, Hallmark greeting cards volunteered to go into a prison to allow the inmates to send Mother's Day cards to all their mothers for free. They were overwhelmed by the response, and they had to extend the offer another day to accommodate all the inmates' requests. The card company was so amazed at the response, so they decided to do the same thing at Father's Day. To the company's surprise, not a single inmate requested a card to send to their dad. That spoke volumes. Fathers are very important in the life and development of their children. So to you dads out there, you are very important. We honor you today. I know I like to have fun and we can uh, poke fun sometimes, but but being a father is is a tough job and it's um, something that that you may not always get the thanks and the, the uh, accolades for, but especially days like today, we just honor you. I like this quote from Theodore Hesba. He says, The most important thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. So for those of you who don't know, I was raised in a single-parent home. My parents divorced when I was six, and our father had very little to do with us. He provided no support, neither financially nor emotionally, and he was not part of our lives much at all. Uh, Like Shem 
Uh, those of you that saw Shem last week, I am the middle child. I have an older brother and a younger brother. One thing, though, that I learned growing up without a father was that our view of God can be skewed by the view that we have of our earthly father. Our view of God through the lenses of our own experiences can shape how we picture the God of the Bible. If we have an absent, resentful, or vengeful father, we can think or have an idea or picture of that that's how God is. Some of us have great fathers who have been amazing. Our earthly father can represent the character of our heavenly father. And I can say that for myself growing up without a father, that it did skew my idea or view of God. It really did skew it in in some degree. So those of us who either don't know God, time seeing God as anything other than a mean, ready-to-smite-you being, maybe with a baseball bat over his shoulder, just waiting for you to mess up. And we could see him as, as, as just this, this being who is maybe even uninterested or that he just wants to crush us or cause us pain. But as we read our Bibles and as we begin to mature and grow in our, in our walk with Christ and as we grow in our relationship with God and even as, just as we read and start to know more about the Bible, we begin to see that He is a perfect, loving Father. I myself am a proud papa of one precious child. We have one daughter, Judah. She and our son-in-law, Luke, are getting ready to be parents for the first time. We're so excited for them and for Luke getting ready to celebrate his first Father's Day. For us, as we were getting ready, Sherry and I, as we were approaching becoming parents, growing up without a father, I was afraid. I had no frame of reference with which to draw upon. I really didn't know what being a father would be like. I am thankful for a few godly men that were in our lives growing up. I'm especially thankful for my Uncle Tony. He taught us all the things that every American boy needs to know. He taught us how to fish, how to shoot a gun, multiple guns, multiple calibers. Taught us how to throw a ball, to fix cars, and to go off-roading, just to name a few. And I myself am extremely thankful for an exceptional mom. Our mom was amazing, still is amazing woman. And I know those of you that maybe are single parents, that so you are mom and dad. I know that, that what that feels like or that struggle. And just, just uh, tip our hats to you, just kudos to you. One thing that growing up without a father and getting ready to be a new parent, I wanted to be, I desired to be a good father. To accomplish this, I read a lot of books A lot of books on being a parent, being a good father, godly books. Focus on the Family was a great resource that taught ways to handle many of family life situations from a biblical, godly perspective. I would encourage you, if you desire to be a better parent, look for some of these types of resources. There are many that you can find um, that just can help you kind of up your game, if you will, being a a better parent. And um, 
Was I perfect? No. Certainly did try my best with God's help. But to be a good father, it doesn't happen by chance. Every Christian parent ought to be waging an all-out campaign and be very intentional to train up their children to know Christ and follow Him. Proverbs tells us to train up a child. It doesn't happen by accident. It begins by setting the example. Parents, we must walk the walk. Being a parent and teaching Kids, you find out that even when you want to give them specific lessons and teach them, you find out that more things are caught than taught. Every parent has probably had a scenario where your children say something that they caught you saying or doing to your shock and embarrassment. Know this, our children are always watching us. They're watching how we respond to things. They're watching how we handle situations. They watch how we interact with our spouses. I like this quote from Clarence Boodington Kelland. He says, My father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. Parents, our kids are watching what we do. So I have some questions I want you to ponder. Are you taking the time to read the Bible and pray with your family? Are you making sure that your family gathers with God's people on a Sunday for worship and teaching? Are you engaging in worship and teaching? Do you talk at home about spiritual things? Do you apply God's word when there are conflicts or trials in the home? In Matthew 6, 9, the disciples had come to Jesus and they asked him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. When Jesus begins to speak and when he teaches us to pray, he tells us to come to God like this. Our Father who art in heaven. Jesus doesn't say to pray to a deity or a, the big man in the sky or whatever he says. Pray our Father. And Jesus begins to reveal the Father. He tells parables about the prodigal son and shows the relationship of what the Father was in that story. He says that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he is revealing the character of the Father. So there is tremendous intimacy in that statement when Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, Our Father in heaven. And although He is in heaven, He calls us, those that follow Him, that have accepted and believe in Him, He calls us His sons and daughters. And I love this in 1 John 1 3. I'm going to read some scriptures today, and most of them will be out of the Amplified. I just love how the Amplified puts this See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given has shown or bestowed on us that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. The reason that the world does not know, recognize, or acknowledge us is that it does not know or recognize Him. 
The world does not know him. The world does not know Heavenly Father. Friends, that's where we come in. We are to represent or represent him to the world. Our job is to reflect the glory of God to the world that doesn't know him. That is what we should be doing, is reflecting the glory of God to a world that doesn't know him, especially as a loving father. Truly being able to worship God begins with the thing that is called adoption. All prayer, all praise, all singing, all of our relating to God begins with being able to come to him as his children That is what Jesus did for us. When he went to the cross, he paid the price of our sin and by adopting us, made us sons and daughters of the living God. And so adoption, it's a legal expression. By definition, adoption is a formal legal process in which the rights and responsibilities relating to a child are transferred to the adoptive parents. If an adoption order is granted by a court, it makes you the adopter, the child's legal parent. It usually refers to a child who has legally become part of a family other than their biological parents. So it's like we get adopted into the family of God. Just like an adoptive child, in most cases, when a child is adopted, their surname becomes the adoptive family surname. And he, by that name, is part of that family. He is known. And that's what God does to us. He gives us a family. He gives us a sense of belonging. Those uh, children without parents, and they may say, I don't belong to a family. But adoption makes you part of a family. I like this. Andrew Murray says this. God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life that is wholly yielded to him. As our adoptive parent, God takes responsibility. He cares for us. Paul puts it like this in Galatians chapter 4 verses 5 through 7. To purchase the freedom of, to ransom, to redeem to atone for those who were subject to the law, that we might be adopted and have sonship conferred upon us and be recognized as God's sons. And because you really are his sons, God has sent the Holy Spirit of his son into our hearts saying or crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave or a bondservant, but a son And if a son, then it follows that you are an heir by the aid of God through Christ. We are adopted into his family, made sons and daughters of God. Here's a great verse to memorize. If you ever would have that sense or feeling of abandonment. And there are people who maybe whose parents had said that they were unwanted or maybe they have a a feeling of abandonment. This is in Psalm 27.10. Although my father and mother have forsaken me, yet the Lord will take me up and adopt me as his child. 
God adopts us into his family. We have a sense of belonging to the family of God. Jesus says this, John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, desolate, bereaved, forlorn, or helpless. I will come back to you. He will not leave us. It says in the Bible that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He says, I will not leave you as orphans, those without a parent, but I will come back. Romans 8, 15 and 16 says this, For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more into bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit that produces sonship in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are children of God. We have that assurance by the Holy Spirit that we belong to him. And God proved this to us. God proved the love that he has for us because he gave his own son. I don't want you to miss the gravity of this statement Jesus says, when he's revealing the Father, that he is a good Father. Friend, he's not too busy for you. He's not a deadbeat, absentee, nor disinterested dad. He is an ever-present help in times of need or times of trouble. When we talk to him, we know that he hears. When we pray and ask, we know that he listens. Better yet, God knows, our Heavenly Father knows what's best for us. I like this one thing my pastor used to say, He who knows me best, loves me most. He who knows me best, loves me most. That is absolutely amazing. God provides for our needs. He shapes us. He disciplines us like a good father would do. It makes him happy to do things for us. It says in the Bible that he delights in us. He actually desires a relationship with us. And there is nothing that we could ever do to earn it. Just like no more than your child could do something to earn that right to be your child. They are your child and you love them. No amount of good deeds that we could ever do or our desire to do better or be better, could bring us into the family of God. We are the children of God because He has made us His. It's not because we were born into a certain family, or certain country, or certain bloodline, or we spoke some magical words. But because before the foundation of the world, God chose to adopt us in Christ Ephesians 1.5, for he foreordained us, he destined, he planned in love for us to be adopted or revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of his will. And I love this, but it adds in the Amplified, because it pleased him and was his kind intent before the foundations of the world. He had a kind intent. It pleased him to adopt us into his family.
He did what he planned to do by giving his only son to take our place and pay the debt that we owed. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserved. That's what we owed. Our sin, our transgression or breaking God's law earned us nothing but death, hell, and eternal separation from God. But Jesus took our death and the wrath of God upon himself. And at the cross, he conquered it all so that we wouldn't get what we do deserve. And so he took what we deserved, which was the punishment and death, so that we would have what he deserved, which is eternal glory. The truth that God would give his own son, that he might make us his sons and daughters, should cause us awe. It should cause wonder and amazement in us. It ought to make us stop for a moment, even on a Sunday morning, and pause. How great is the love of the Father! How can we not sing? If we have that reality and that truth of how much our Heavenly Father loves us, how can we not sing? When it's time and we're worshiping God, I've seen at times where people have their arms folded, and I just ask, how can we not sing? How can we not shout? How can we not respond with everything within us to all that He has done for us? Let us just think about that for a moment. Everything that He did for us. Absolutely amazing. We need to realize that truth and let it produce a response of adoration that is within our hearts. What a glorious thing that we can say, Our Father in heaven. May we begin to live with that glorious truth that we are redeemed, that we're adopted as sons and daughters of the living God. Friends, He wants us. He is with us. And He is for us. So there's just a few things as I'm getting ready to close today. There's a few criteria that we have to meet to come into God's family. Two conditions that we need to meet. Number one, we need to confess the Lord Jesus, meaning to take Him, to accept Him and receive Him. We need to confess that we are sinners and need a Savior. We can never, never do it. We can never be good enough. We could never earn our place of salvation or our place at God's table. We need a Savior. When anyone believes and receives in this way, God declares them as, the, as His own child. We then become born in His family, and we use the expression, you may have heard it before, born again. It is because we are born into His family. But Jesus said it like this, John fourteen five. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by or through me. There is no other way than accepting and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. And number two, believe in His name. And so what, what does that mean to believe in His name? His name stands for His person and His work. 
He is the Savior of all those who trust and belong to him. To believe in his name means to believe that he is all that he claims to be, that he is the Savior and Lord. But we do not only have to believe in his name to become children of God. We have to receive the Lord Jesus into our hearts and lives. And so what does this mean? The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth, so it's an audible, it's a confessing. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So if you have made confession with your mouth, and you have believed in your heart, you are now in the family of God. You are now a son or daughter of the King. And I would ask that if that is your first time that you have ever received the Lord Jesus in that way, I would ask that you would, would uh, contact us and let us know. And just tell us we would love to celebrate with you and just to celebrate that you're in the, in the family of God. I have one more verse in closing. John 1, verses 10 through 12. He came into the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him or did not know him. He came to that which belonged to him, to his own, his domain, his creation, things, and world. And they were his own. They did not receive him nor welcome him. But this is what I love. Verse 12. So although he says that none of them recognized or knew him, verse 12, but to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the authority, the power, the privilege, and right to become the children of God. That is to those who believe in, who adhere to and trust in and rely on his name, gave us the right to be called the children of God. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing that he has taken us into his family, that he is, is cares for us and he, he is looking after us. Let us reflect the glory of God to the world around us. Let us represent God as our loving father. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. May we reflect the glory of God to those around us, especially to let others know that he is a loving father. Just want to thank you once again, Pastor Gordon, for giving me this awesome privilege to share today. To Luke, our son-in-law, I'm excited for you to uh, be celebrating your first Father's Day. And to all the dads out there, uh, I honor you. I just uh, just hope that today is special. Uh, moms, children, just make dad feel special today, I would ask. And Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingstonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.